0: amen all right so i'm gonna go ahead and pray us in father we thank you that you have met, met us here in this place father we open our ears to you so we can hear what the spirit is saying tonight we open our hearts father allowing us to be good soil for your word to be planted father give you the increase father when it's time for you to reap your harvest father Father, we thank you that you have saturated this atmosphere with your love, Father, with your presence, Father. Making it so, Father, that no unclean spirit, Father, can dwell in this place among us right now, Father. That this atmosphere, Father, in this place has been purified, Father, by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father. We love you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I just want to do a, a little recap. So I've been teaching Healing 101 since February. And since February, um, I came with the word, the teaching of to repent, to change the way you think, um, to conform to the image of Christ, to have your mind renewed so that you can receive all that you are destined to receive in Christ. Then I taught on following the instructions. That now that you are in the process, because it's not an overnight thing, it's a process, it's going to take some time, um, to learn to follow the instructions. And this is focus on healing, but of course you can apply this all across the board. Whatever it is that you need to be done in your life. You have to repent, change the way you think, conform, conform to the image, renew your mind, and then follow instructions that are given to you. Then with that came natural healing versus divine healing. That, yes, there's natural ways that we can heal, be healed, um, but the ultimate healing is the divine healing. That's the one that we should be seeking Asking and knocking on our father's door for it is his divine healing. But both is good. One is superior and one is definitely, which is divine healing, is the children's bread. And so then we enter to sacred cows because there are some things that we have been taught that can prevent us from repenting, from renewing our minds, from conforming, from uh, following the instructions, traditions of men, things that has been imparted into us, beliefs that are completely outside the word of God, false doctrines. And the first one that I talked on was humanity and how as a human being, it is Like, our greatest treasure is our humanity. But when we look at Christ, when we look at Jesus, that is, when we look at Jesus, he pretty much set that aside and gave that to the Father and only did what the Father told him to do, not taking into consideration how he felt about it. So our humanity is a worldly treasure. And it's very sacred to us, but we kill that sacred cow, and allow us to be fully, 100% led by the Spirit, which means for us to set those things aside, then we can really come into the fullness of Christ, of Jesus Christ. So our next teaching for tonight, my next teaching for tonight, is Healing 101, Sacred Cows, Part 2. And we are going to learn about Decree and Declare. That is very sacred in the church because <laughs> we have to be doing, the, uh, saying our decrees and declaring this, decreeing this and declaring that. So to start, I'm going to let you know that I'm not going to tell you that you cannot decree and declare. That's not, not what I'm going to teach on. That's not what, I, what I'm going to say because we can. We've just been doing it the wrong way, making our prayers ineffective when we do it. See, the thing is that you can't decree and declare. (laughs) You can't do both. You could do one or the other. It is better for us to declare than to decree. And tonight, you will learn why. So this is where you get your notebooks, your pens, mental notes, phone, however it is that you are going to uh, take notes tonight. So you could go back and you can study for yourself. Our first scripture for tonight is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 through 20. And it says, First scripture. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf Be reconciled to God. This is what we plead. So what is an ambassador? According to the Greek, an ambassador, that scripture please, or next slide. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank, sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative, representative. A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. As for negotiating treaty, a diplomatic official serving as permanent head of a country's mission to United Nations or some other international organization. An authorized messenger or representative. So ambassadors speak and act according to the government that sent them. They don't go to another region speaking and doing whatever they want to do. Now, if they do, they don't get in trouble with the government that they're sent to, but by the government that sent them. This is why Jesus said he only did what the father told him to do and only said what the father told him to say. He declared what was already decreed, by whom? The Father. So let's look at some definitions. We have decree and declare, and this is in Hebrew, because the majority of the teaching tonight is coming from Old Testament, because this is where decree and declare is like 99% mentioned, is in the Old Testament. So one Hebrew word, which is a noun, and that's another thing. If you go and study decree in the Old Testament, the word decree is used as a noun, mostly. you, you read something about how whatever king uh, made a decree or sent a decree. That's a noun, not a verb. So the first decree um, definition we have is decree, taste, judgment, command. Discretion report, and then another Hebrew word uh, for decree as a noun is statute, ordinance, ordinance, limit, something prescribed, prescribed task, prescribed portion, action prescribed for oneself, resolve, civil enactments prescribed by God. Declare in a Hebrew is used as a verb, and you will find out that. A lot of the decrees were declared. Declare, the verb meaning the first thing we have is to speak. Declare, converse, command, promise, warn, warn, threaten, sing, to lead away, put to flight. Another Hebrew verb for declare means to be counted, take account of. So these are Hebrew definitions for decree and declare. So keep that in mind as we go through these scriptures regarding Old Testament scriptures. So our next scripture is Exodus, Exodus chapter 7, verse 2. This is God speaking to Moses in regards to them going before Pharaoh. So God is saying to Moses, you must say whatever I command. Then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh so that he will let the Israelites go from his hand. Here we see that God is giving a command. And he's telling Moses, his you know, front man, his right hand right now in the earth, you're going to receive a command. And then your brother will declare what I told you to Pharaoh. This is how this works. Psalms 138, that scripture, Psalms 138, verse 2 says, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So here in this scripture, we're learning that we, God, magnify his word above his name. While we magnify his name, we lift his name up. We we magnify his name above everything. But he himself put his word above his name. In another translation, it says his solemn decree is what he put above his name. Next scripture we have is Lamentations chapter 2, verse 17. I'm just taking you through the scriptures, so the Old Testament, so you can see how decree and declare works. The Lord has done what he planned. He has accomplished his decree, which he ordained in the days of old. He has demolished without compassion, letting the enemy glow over you and exalting the horn of your adversaries. So in this scripture, we learn that the Lord accomplished his decree that he ordained. The person who established the decree had to accomplish the decree. So if you decree. You have to bring that decree forth. You have to establish that decree. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 15, my next scripture says, hear how they keep challenging me. Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. Jeremiah, which Jeremiah, he wrote Lamentations to. So Jeremiah, here he is saying that he's being challenged. And he needs help. And he said, where's the word of the Lord? Let it come. We can't decree and declare a thing. Who is to honor what we say apart from God? God is not going to do as we say. That's not how he works. You can't give God a decree. And then he declared it. <laughs> Satan won't either. Creation would not either. Satan and creation only obey us according to the power and authority given to us by God through Christ. Other than that, of course, every knee bows to the name of Jesus. I heard, listening to a teaching by Hart Ramsey, he said, if we declare and decree, where is God in it? If I decree, I declare, where is God? If he did not speak it, don't expect him to do it. When we speak what God says, we're not decreeing. And I want to make that clear. When we speak what God says, we are not decreeing. We are declaring the word of God over ourselves and other people. And so you, you, you might hear that a lot. People say, I decree and I declare, and then they speak something that God says. You can't decree what's already been decreed but you can declare what's been decreed. So you can't take God's decrees and make it your own and then still expect him to, like, honor that. That's not how that works. So when we declare, when we speak the word of God, we're declaring his word. We're not decreeing. Psalms chapter 2 in that scripture, Psalms chapter 2, verse 7 through 8 says, I will declare the word. I'm sorry, I would declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. So here we're seeing how it works. When we declare the Lord's decree, he said you can ask of me. So what we should be doing is just Asking. Asking, seeking, knocking are not the same as decreeing. To speak those things that be not as though they were is not to decree either. Jesus teach about binding and loosing. We may use that as we decree because we bind and loose, but that's not decreeing either. It was taught with two different definitions, meaning for two complete situations. Neither gave us permission to decree a thing. In one teaching, Jesus spoke regarding demons. In another teaching, he spoke regarding how we are to deal with each other by binding and loosing. In James chapter 5, verse 6, he speaks about, James, that is, speaks about effective prayer. So if there is a such thing as effective prayer, then the opposite exists as well, ineffective prayer. Now, I know for those who study, uh, who know some scripture, have a very particular scripture in mind that has something to do about we can decree a thing. And so this part of the lesson is where we go deep into that scripture, where it gives us permission to decree a thing. And what scripture is that? Job. It is written, it is written in the Bible that we can decree a thing and it will be done. Yes. However, it was wrongly spoken by someone who had no authority to say such a thing. So this scripture Job chapter 22, verse 28 says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy way, thy ways. We use this a lot. This scripture right here most likely is the whole root of de- decreeing and declaring in the church. But the question is, that's a uh, slide? Who said that? This is in the book of Job. Who said that who is speaking, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. I can tell you it wasn't God. God was the one that was speaking in, in this particular scripture. So the person who is speaking to Job is... This guy. This is one of Job's friends. He has three of them. Job 22, verse 1 says, Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, and Eliphaz speaks the whole chapter of 22. Eliphaz spoke to Job in chapters 4 through 5, chapter 15, and chapter 22. Now he had three friends. His second friend, Bildad, the Shuhite, Spoke to Job in chapters 8, chapter 18, and chapter 25. His third friend, Zophar, the Namathite, <laughs> spoke to Job in chapters 11 and chapter 20. So from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 20, Job is having conversations with his three friends. One would speak, Job will reply. Another one would speak, Job will reply. Another one would speak, Job would reply. And they kept talking. So those chapters all the way through 4 through... 20 is a conversation that he's having with his three friends. But then there's another person, another friend, that comes in on chapter 32. His name is Elihu or Elihu. (laughs) They have some different names (laughs) uh, in the Old Testament. Kind of hard to pronounce. But anyway, Elihu. (laughs) You like it? Anyway, in um, chapter in chapter thirty two comes, and here he rebukes Job and defends God. From chapter thirty two to thirty seven is when this person speaks. So we are gonna look and see something a little bit something what what he says. I encourage everybody to go back and read these chapters because a lot is being spoken in these chapters. Um, so chapter 32, Job chapter 32, verses 1 through 3 says, Job, Job's three friends refused to reply further to him because he kept insisting on his innocence. Then Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite of the clan of Ram, became angry. He was angry because Job refused to admit that he had sinned and that God was right in punishing him. He was also angry with Job's three friends. for they made God appear to be wrong by the inability to answer Job's argument. So, Job chapter 32, we're going to just, just read a little bit what he had to say. Job chapter 32, verse 12 through 18. I did not put that up there. Okay, it was verses 12 through 18. So, Elihu is saying, I have listened, but not one of you has refuted Job. And don't tell me he is too wise for us. Only God can convince him. If Job had been arguing with me, I would not answer with your kind of logic. You sit there baffled with nothing more to say. Should I continue to wait now that you are silent? Must I also remain silent? No. I will say my peace. I will speak my mind, for I am full of pent-up words, and the spirit within me urges me on. So Elihu goes in on Job. So after Elihu goes in on Job, God comes in on the next chapter, chapter 38. Because I tell you, Elihu, he speaks from 32 to 37. Then God comes in, and he starts challenging Job. And we know all, well, if you we go back and read, you'll see, that's when he starts questioning Job. Like, answer me this, you, go, you question me, then I will answer you. Then when I question you, you answer me. And he goes through all this, of so who made this, who did that, who gave the, the ocean its boundaries, all this. Like, where were you when, when this was made? He goes, in, he goes in on Job. Then after he goes in on Job, which is uh, chapters 38 through 41, him, him and Job is, is conversating out. The next chapter, Job 42, verse 7 through 8, God rebukes Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar for speaking wrong of him. Verse 7 of chapter 42 says, After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Now take seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. Then my servant Job will pray for you. I will surely accept his prayer and not deal with you as your folly deserves. For you have not spoken the truth about me, and my servant Job has. Now Job starts speaking more of the truth. Once God starts challenging him and questioning him, stuff like that, then he kind of his whole perspective of things. Because before, he was accusing God of being unjust. And this is what made Elihu mad and angry. So we could just take everything that was spoken between Job and his three friends and just flush it because it's trash. It's waste. It's not something that we could take and make a doctrine out of. It's not a prayer point. Because God clearly rebukes all three friends for not speaking correctly of him. The problem here, I'm sorry, we're going to look at this, this scripture, Job chapter 22, verse 28, in another version. The NASB version of Job says it like this. You will also decide something and it will be established for you and the light will shine on your ways. So the problem here is that the one who gives the decree has to accomplish it. But Eliphaz is telling Job that when he decrees a thing, it doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about accomplishing it. Because it would be accomplished for him. Yeah, but by whom if not Job? God. God is saying in chapter 42, no, sounds good, but no. That's not how I operate. A decree is a law. God does not declare the laws of man. God does not accomplish or establish laws, statutes, commandments, whatever, of man. He only established his own decrees. And Eliphaz is telling Job that God pretty much will do it. Psalms chapter, we're going to just stir away just a little bit so you can see. Psalms chapter 147 verse 15 says, He send he, God, sends his commandment throughout the earth. His word runs swiftly. Not the word of man, but his word. Proverbs chapter 19, verse two to one says, Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. You see, you get what I'm trying to say. You see the, the It's been all wrong, completely wrong. How we be going back with our prayers, decreeing and clearing, decree, I decree, I decree, I decree. But that's not how that works. So, after saying all this, the crazy thing is that this Hebrew word for decree in this scripture, Job chapter 22, verse 28, does not mean law or command. So, it's off anyway. Even if we could take this scripture and make it a prayer point, it's still taught wrong. This decree word in the Hebrew is the verb word for decree, which means to cut, divide, cut down, cut off, cut into, snatch, destroy, exterminate, exclude, separate. It has nothing to do with laws and commands. So what Eliphaz was telling Job here is that Job can decide which way he wants to go in the situation he is in with God, and God will approve it. Now, Job was accusing God of being unjustly towards him. That was his whole argument. And his friends, well, this particular one, Eliphaz is saying, well, you can decide whatever you want to do with that, and he will approve it. That's a lie. God will not approve that. You can't just do whatever you want to, decide whatever you want and go like, okay, um, <laughs> that's, that's not how that works. So I want to look at this scripture, because when I say I want to get deep into this scripture, because it's such a rooted, uh, it's the root of us decreeing. I want you to see in other versions of this scripture. NLT says you will succeed in whatever you choose to do and the light will shine on the road ahead of you. The NSB says you will also decide something and it will be established for you and the light will shine on your ways. NIV says what you decide on will be done and the light will shine on your ways. The ESV says you will decide on a matter on a matter and it will be established for you and the light will shine on your ways. So as you can see That this whole scripture was completely taught out of context. It was taught wrong anyway. Job Job 22 verse 28 has nothing to do with having the ability as a righteous person. As a child of God. As a king. As a queen. Or an ambassador of Christ in earth to make decrees, laws, and commands. Someone led by or influenced by Satan took this scripture and created an an ineffective way to pray. Satan knows and understands that our decrees are in decrees in earth are futile. We can only decree what we are able to accomplish. Anything a king in their kingdom anytime a king decreed in their kingdom it was as Accomplished by them. So if you make a decree, you have to accomplish it. And if you look through the Old Testament, reading how kings uh, put out decrees, those decrees were accomplished by that king, by that kingdom. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We say that often. We use that. And that is good. Because see, that was a personal decree that he spoke concerning himself and his house. This is something that he can accomplish. He don't need no help. This is something he could do on his own. (laughs) He was setting order in his family because he is the head of his home. So Joshua can establish order in his home. The law or decree that he spoke here, as for me and my house, he spoke, what he spoke gave all authority to God. And that's something we all can do. Give all authority to God. Have your way, Father. Let your will be done. This is something that me and my house is going to do. I will make sure of it. Regarding healing. Healing. Because this is Healing 101. So we got to put this in a healing perspective. Be careful who you allow to pray over you. Because if they are decreeing and declaring things over and off you, you are in a bad situation. Someone may say, I decree and declare that you would be loose of this infirmity and will get up and walk. Well, how are they going to bring that forth for you? They can't. They need God. So in that case, they need to be declaring the <laughs> decree of, of the Lord over you and not saying I decree and I declare what I decreed over you and expect something to happen. Even if you are praying for yourself, do not decree anything you can't accomplish. You may say to yourself, I decree and, and declare my body will no longer be in pain. I decree and declare that this disease will leave me now. Well, how are you going to make that happen in your power? And the thing about it is that we have the nerve to add in Jesus' name to our decrees. Do you understand what you are doing when you say this? We are ambassadors for Christ. So as an ambassador, you are speaking on your own accord in the name that sent you to speak only what he gave you to say. Which is his word, his decrees, his law, his promises. The tongue is a powerful tool given to us. Speech is a powerful weapon. It has the power to create and it has the power to destroy. So when we speak outside of what God has spoken, we create atmospheres that God is not present. We leave him out of it with all the I, 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 I. This does not please the Father. And again, I say you are not making a decree by speaking what God has already spoken. You are declaring the word of God. He will establish his decree. So in your praying, instead you're praying over, over a situation, and you say, I decree and declare that every child that has been kidnapped will be saved and brought home in the name of Jesus. Well, you got some work to do. because so there's a lot of children who are missing. A lot of children who you have to go and bring home till so you just established a decree that what you would do, and you declared it too. If we truly want these children delivered, we have to put it in God's hands. We are to put God in remembrance of his word. We are to declare the decree of the Lord. We are to declare his promises. For every situation and circumstance we face, our father has already spoken regarding it. You just have to go into the word and find out what he said. So let's say this is a real prayer. And I'm sure many people have prayed this prayer, that they decree and declare that every child will be brought home back to their parents safely. In a situation like this, this is how this prayer, well, I'm ahead of myself. Let's look and see what God has to say about this. So we will use this scripture, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 24. And it says, can the prey be taken from a mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be delivered? For this is what the Lord says. The Lord, God, is saying this. Even the captives of a mighty man will be taken. And the prey of a tyrant will be delivered. I will contend with the one who contends with you. And I will save your children. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, and they will be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. Then all the people will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. So this is how a prayer regarding saving children and bringing them home, it should go something like this. Father, As you have spoken over Israel, surely your promise still stands today. And I can hold you to it regarding me and mine. Regarding the children that have been captive in this day and time. Not only by men, but also by Satan who used men to do his evil acts. You are the children's savior and redeemer. As you are mine as well, I declare that all people will know this because you said it first. That's how that goes. You find what the Father said about your situation or whatever situation you, you're praying over. You don't make it your own. You don't take it to your own accord, like, okay, we're going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You can't do nothing outside God. <laughs> I mean, you could try doesn't hurt to try, I guess, but it won't work out. So, decrees, decrees are accomplished in the power of the one who made the decree. Even if you are praying for yourself, do not decree anything you can't accomplish. The power of men is not good in the spirit. No demon has to submit to your human name, your power, your human power, your human authority. This is why Jesus gave his disciples power and authority over the enemy. That power and authority came from God. So I have a natural example that I can use. So you could get a clear image of how this works. And I'm going to use Cindy and Alana. (laughs) Say I was at the Hardest House. Alana is in the kitchen making her something to eat. And I hear Cindy say, Alana, go upstairs and clean your room. Alana stopped what she's doing, go upstairs to clean her room, because her mom said, go clean your room. She's not going to argue with that. So let's say, the next day I come over there again visiting, and I'm in the kitchen too, and I see Alana come in. And I say, Alana, go clean your room. She going to look at me like I'm crazy. Like, who are you? You don't even live here. And, yeah, so she she just, you know, respectfully, you know, keep doing what she's doing because she don't obey me. I can't tell her what to do. So let's say the next day I come over, and I'm upstairs with Cindy, and Cindy tells me to go tell Alana to clean her room. I go downstairs and say, Alana, your mother said, go clean your room, Alana is going to stop what she's doing and go clean her room. At the very least, if she wants to challenge that, she's going to go and see if her mother actually said it. That is how it works in the spirit. Alana represents Satan, or unclean spirits, sorry, sickness, disease. Cindy is God, we're the children. So we can't approach the spirit in our own power. They will not obey that. But when we come in the name and the voice of God, they have no choice. (laughs) Even if they want to challenge it, they know the word. Even though they can't speak it completely, because they can't speak truth, they can speak lies, so they may speak some of it and twist it. But that's how that works. So when we decree... We don't decree in our own power. We don't decree in our own name saying that this is a law of command that we are establishing and expect the enemy to obey it. But when we say the decrees and declares and the laws and the commandments of God, everyone needs battle. Amen. Amen. Our next... Chapter is coming from Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. And it says, let your roots grow down into him, him, Jesus, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. We ought to be killing a sacred cow every day. By doing so, our roots can grow down into Jesus. How? Because our faith is growing strong in the truth. We are learning. We we didn't have the truth before. We had lies. We had deceits. We had false doctrines. We had traditions of men in a religious spirit. In the Old Testament, the king the kings of the world will make many decrees in which they established, and their decrees were, de- were declared by men. in their kingdom. We are no longer under the ruling of man, but of Christ Jesus. He came declaring and speaking in his father's name. Now we are to do the same in Jesus' name. So in closing, my last scripture I have for you is coming from New Testament, John, chapter 16, verse 23 through 24. Colossians was New Testament too, but I'm bringing back around the fact that all we have to do is ask. At the time you, you I'm sorry, John, chapter 16, verse 23, verse 24, says, at, the time, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything, I'll tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Act using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father then you were asking in my name. I'm not saying that I would ask the Father on your behalf. So you see, we don't have to decree a thing. We just have to ask. We just have to put him in members of his word in Jesus' name. You have not because you ask not. As Jesus was saying here, you asking our Father for things in his name, that doesn't mean that He, Jesus, will ask the Father on your behalf, no, you're going to be talking to him directly. We're not asking Jesus for anything just so he can go and turn to the Father and ask the Father the exact same thing that we just said. We ask the Father directly. We do not have to decree a thing. We just need to ask, make our request known to him, to the Father. And I close. As children of God and ambassadors of Christ, we pray confess, and declare what has already been spoken by God. Father said he watches over his word to perform it. He's not watching over your words. He's watching over his words to perform it. It does not return to him void. So when we declare his decrees, we give him permission to perform his word on the earth and in our lives, regarding whatever situation we're praying about. This is how his will is done on the earth as it is in heaven. His word is forever settled in heaven. It needs to be forever settled in the earth too, and that's simply by us speaking it. He said that when his word is spoken in the earth, it is written, it runs swiftly, that it does not delay. So as of right now, our prayers will no longer be ineffective due to the lack of knowledge. We will overflow with thankfulness because our faith is growing strong in truth. We are being taught. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen.